Hi, I'm your host, Candace Wolf, and this is the Quitters Club podcast. This is an all inclusive club where we talk about the uncomfortable process of quitting what no longer works for us. This club isn't about giving up, it's about taking your life back. We're gonna get uncomfortable, like being naked in your dream at your old high school, kind of uncomfortable. So be a quitter. Join the club. Welcome back. I don't know what it is about this time of year that makes me so reflective. I've been thinking a lot about where I've been and where I'm going. Like, am I alone in this? Is everyone else feeling like deeply reflective? Today's guest went through this herself as she spent 12 months preparing to leave her job to start her business. Erin Davis is an award-winning expert, inspirational speaker, and global thought leader in the field of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And now she's a new entrepreneur. We hear this term a lot, diversity and inclusion. It's thrown around so much, but what does it actually mean? Erin breaks it down on this episode and definitely opened my eyes to what really being inclusive is. We talked about the shifting energy that is collectively happening in our world right now and what it means for our future. Erin believes that the way that we work is going to have to change for inclusion to be fully embraced. Yes, that means we can finally adopt the four-day work week. Well, at least I think so anyways. We also talked about the viewpoints of women and men in the workforce and how they both require a brave space to be able to share. And while you think that already exists for men, I've come to realize after this conversation, I don't actually think it does. I'm not going to lie. I kind of forgot I was doing a podcast and just got into deep conversation with Aaron. And I really hope this makes you reflect on how inclusive you are at work and also in your daily life. Enjoy. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I know you've had a bit of a hairy morning, so I appreciate you jumping on. Um, I don't even remember how we met actually. Like I think through a mutual friend a few years back, went to like a, I want to say a rodeo event. Well, you know, your memory might be better than mine, but I will (laughs) tell you my philosophy on this. Because I honestly encountered this, like, how did we, how did, how did you meet so-and-so question a lot? And I go, I don't really remember because it's not important. Once you're in the circle, you're in the circle. And I don't really care about like those details. So that's like sort of how I approach my logic because I can't possibly remember every single, you know, first time we ever met scenarios. So we met, yes, I think we have mutual friends and I'm guessing that's probably what it was. And then like, once you're in the circle, you're in the circle and it doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. Actually. That's a good point. So you just recently made one of the quits that I think a lot of quitters dream of doing. You quit your job to start your own business and you're, I'll kind of let you talk about what, what the industry is that you're in and kind of explore that. So let's actually, let's just go for it. So tell me, what do you do? How did this happen? Where are you now? (laughs) No, well, you know, it's, it's a pretty big question and it's not a simple answer. And part of my storyline now with quitting what I would consider the corporate world, that's really what has happened, um, came with a lot of, you know, I'm using air quotations, which people won't be able to to see, but like sleepless nights. I'm a parent, so I don't like actually not sleep because I'm so exhausted, but it would be the equivalent of sleepless nights where I go, what am I doing? Like I'm leaving security. I'm leaving all of these things that I've known for my entire corporate career behind 
to figure stuff out on my own. But then when you're in a really good mood and you're talking to friends and getting encouragement, they're like, oh my, like, this is exactly what you need to be doing. You get to control your own day. You get to choose what your clients are, all of this excitement. But I will say the quitting part was really, really hard. And and I want to tell the story that it wasn't overnight that this happens. It is constant conversations. And if I'm being truly honest with myself, if I had leaned into this earlier in my career, I could have quit like 10 years ago, but I was not ready. I wasn't um, willing to lean into more of the unknown. And I guess this year in COVID has really, I think that that really inevitably pushed me into a I want to control what this looks like. Um, I want to help as many people as possible in my field, which I will explain um, shortly. And why can't I start my day at 11 a.m. if I want to? Or why do I need to finish my day at a certain time? Why do I have to work Monday to Friday? Like, who invented all of this? Like, I, I, I think it's time to revolutionize how we actually think about doing work. And why wouldn't I want to spend my time doing the work that I love. And I'm not naive, like there's gonna be hard days and there's gonna be probably moments where we're gonna have a future conversation of, I really, I don't, what am I done? What have I done? But it feels, it feels so much better. It feels so much better. So the work that I do is in the space of diversity, equity and inclusion. So I suspect your audience will sort of understand that world, but I've come to realize that's not everyone's lens. Like, even though we've had all of these social justice moments over the last 18 months with the death of George Floyd, with the resurgence of Black Lives Matter, where we have these conversations about, about anti-Asian hate, where those conversations happened at the beginning of COVID, they're refreshed again. Um, there's lots of moments in time where we go, are we really doing the best as human beings? And that's how I kind of view my work is, how can I help everyone unlock this potential of allowing space for everyone to be their whole selves and to be the best versions of themselves and feel a sense of belonging, which is hysterical because I fought against that for almost 20 years of my career and being the voice at the table that had differing opinions and different ideas and we need to think about this in a different way. And I kind of just decided as my career progressed that I'm really not able to like function in this capacity. And so I quit. I quit to just figure it out on my own. (laughs) So, okay. So you were, let's backtrack a little bit. So that's what, that's the work you do now. Yes. You said 10 years ago, you could have in hindsight, I mean, of course I could have done God, I could have done so many great things 10 years ago, (laughs) but 10 years ago, you could have quit. What, what were you doing at the time? Like what, and what has, what was your career sort of for those 20? Yeah. So 10 years ago, I was doing strategic planning. So I would go inside of organizations and understand how do we put a plan together for the future um, growth of an organization and how do we align priorities to achieving that growth? So I did that for many years and off the side of my desk is where I kind of got interested in diversity and inclusion. So you know, if I'm using generic language, like I'm a consultant now, I'm like basically doing consulting work. So I could have done that from a strategic planning perspective. No problem. Lots of people do that. But I wasn't really even thinking about that possibility, right? Like I think, Candice, I don't even know if I can say this with a bunch of conviction yet, but do we almost get brainwashed a little bit in terms of the existence inside of a company where you do have stability, where you do have a paycheck every two weeks, where you do have benefits, where you do have like the list can go on and on depending on your employer. So like, do I have benefits right now? Well, no, I, I, I'm lucky I have some through my husband, but like, do I have any? No, it's not on the list of like what I'm pay, paying for yet. I haven't got paid yet. So um, you know, there's all these, there's all these things, right. That you got to figure out on your own. Yep. And, um, so the idea of quitting back then, 
like would have seemed insurmountable if someone said oh my you're so good at what you do you should just do it on your own what are you talking about what are you talking about yeah oh people used to say that to me all the time and I was like yeah I should do that and then and then I made that leap and I was like whoa this isn't as you know this isn't totally what I thought it was going to be but and I think there is also true that some people I mean there's the term brainwashed, but also there's that, that like stability that some people like need and or prefer, right? In, in a job. Yeah. But you didn't feel that way. You were feeling, what were you feeling? Were you feeling like not, I don't want to use the word trapped because I don't think that's the right word, but more just like maybe stifled. Yeah. I think for sure. That's actually a really, really good word to use because in the space of diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, people, aren't seeing this, but like, I'm a woman and I'm a woman of color. And so research tells us that I have a bunch of like visible and invisible barriers that are acting in the way of me continuing to succeed in my career. And when I started out, and I've said this before, like, I thought I was going to be the CEO of an organization. Like I thought I was capable and clearly, you know, I would, I don't think I was ever on that pathway. I never really felt like I was being written down on a list of like, she's the future potential CEO. So now I get to tell the story of like, I'm the CEO of me and I'm the CEO of this thing that I've now started, right? Were, uh, you, were you wanting to be CEO, but you, because of those you know, minorities, I guess, are barriers that you, as you describe them, that's why you weren't getting there? Or did you just decide you didn't want to be CEO for someone else? No, I, I think that there truly were barriers in the way of my advancement inside of an organization. Now, would I contribute it fully to my gender and my um, race? No. I think that a lot of organizations want people to work within them for a really long time before they start to progress. And so that's boring to me. Like I really want challenge, um, you know, every couple of years, maybe I can say every, every so often, like that cadence might change a little bit for me now that I'm, I'm consulting. Um, but I want to think about doing things differently. I want to challenge the status quo and everything. Like, why wouldn't we want to try to do things better? And my assertion from big mega companies, they're big machines. And to, to change that ship is really, really hard. Mm -hmm. And so I used to say within these organizations, this is going to be like, for someone like me to leave the organization is a huge loss. Like I'm the one fighting to try to make this place more inclusive so that more people can advance. And then the story I told me myself in the back of my mind was if, if I leave, then where's the hope where what's left, but you know what I've kind of uh, decoupled my, my thinking from that. And I go, well, now I get to help. I still get to help people. I still get to try and achieve the same mission every single day, but I get to do it from the outside. Right. And we'll, we'll see how this goes. Like, um, I'm excited. Like we're having this, this conversation when I'm in like a pretty, pretty good place. Yeah. <laughs> Number three. <laughs> yeah. Cool, right? Let's talk like month six and see how you're feeling yeah uh, it's exactly. good it's good though it's, you're in a good place you're in a fun spot like this is this is good like I, I feel like I remember that place and I had interviewed a girl actually who left her job to open a retail store and she was like also in that like really beginning stages and it's really the most exciting time so enjoy it and don't don't even think about if it's going to get what the future is going to be with it. Just think it's going to be like this forever. Yeah. Well, you know, I, so it, it, I'm wide, I'm, I'm riding a bit of a wave because of course, whenever you launch something or you like share with the world, something new, there's a lot of excitement that comes your way. So I'm definitely receiving that. And I'm, I'm so grateful for it because it's sort of a reminder, like I'm not crazy that I decided to like take this leap to start my own business. And everyone's like, What's she doing? Like, no, there's been some really great support, but I also want to emphasize too, because this is in, in our control is 
I'm trying to set myself up for success, meaning I have a group of individuals who are also doing consulting work in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space. And so we check in with each other every Monday morning. Do you need any help? How can we support you? 30 minutes really quick, check in. And so we have that opportunity with one another. And then um, we have other time in our calendar to connect in if we're working on projects or um, you know, need to focus in on something specific. So I want to set up the mechanisms to, can, to help myself succeed, right? And so the cool thing is that's now within my control. Like I get to dictate where my time is spent. Yeah, that's, that's one of the great benefits of, of being an entrepreneur. So okay, I have a question for you because, you know, when people talk about like when you're building a personal brand, I feel like I know a lot of entrepreneurs and I would say that you are someone who has always like your brand is, what is the, I don't know the words I'm looking for. It's so like, like the professional, I feel like this, the professional you and the personal you, your brand is like solid. Like you're very much all about what you're all about. You know, like sometimes you see people with their brand and they're kind of like, like, what do they do? You know, like they're all, they're all over the place. I mean, some people might say that about me, (laughs) whatever, that's fine. Um, But did you, so I guess my question is, have you always like diversity and inclusion? Obviously it's a huge topic and it's super important did you fall into being passionate about it or were, was it part of like your circumstances or were you always just like driven to this mission? No. Well, there's, so there's two like key components I would say to this, this journey. And one um, is very much a full circle moment. So I, um, when I was doing, Uh, strategic planning went on my first maternity leave, which now we sort of try to refer to as parental leave. I went on my first parental leave and a very senior person inside the organization reached out to me and said, would you come on the diversity inclusion council? We are starting this initiative. I was like, why? Because I'm a woman of color and I just had a baby, you know, part of my brain goes there. And then the other part's like, whoa, the executive just asked me to be on this committee. Like, of course I'm going to say yes. And so honestly, that was almost 10 years ago. And so that sparked a bit of curiosity. And it also sparked in me the awareness of, I don't think I'm going to be able to see become the CEO because there's all of these, there's a glass ceiling and like all the stuff in my way of like achieving that. And I was pretty junior in my career. So I was like moving up or getting lots of experience, but I was not junior. I was, I was not senior enough that I would even like entertain a CEO role. So all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, Oh boy, there's a lot of stuff here. Um, but fast forward to doing an executive leadership program. Um, I guess probably five, I think five years after that, I really worked and this instructor was amazing. This was through the university of Alberta's faculty of extension. And, um, it was around like building your leadership style and the the self-reflection within that course brought me to the realization that my burning platform, and this is how the instructor talked about it, my burning platform is to see more women in leadership. And leadership doesn't necessarily mean it needs to be inside of a company. I mean, how excited were all of us during COVID when we saw these like um, global leaders in charge of um countries doing really amazing things Mm -hmm. to navigate so much uncertainty. And so that was when I sort of refined my work in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space to say, like, I will always be in support of having women achieve their highest potential. Because listen, it's, it's not easy. And if we wanted to have this conversation from an entrepreneurial space, there's a lot of things up against women entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think there might be a next wave of my iteration of the work that I do. Um, But I think, you know, I don't know if that answers the question fully, but I always have a curiosity for it, right? And I really sort of discovered it um, through leaning into that curiosity, because I will say that I come from a place of privilege. Like, 
I grew up and went to like a really great, um, like grew up in a really great neighborhood. I went to university. I got a job at a university. You know, my husband and I bought our first house when we were 24. Like, so when we sort of talk about these different layers of privilege, I feel that I've had a lot of them. So it hasn't come from a, like, I need to come out of this and show um, what I'm capable of. It's more like, I'm just trying to do my best and I'm hoping to help, you know, elevate others along the way. That's great. Do you, can I ask you honestly, and maybe you don't have to answer this or you can answer however you want. Do you ever tire of your mission? No. Wow. I don't. I don't. And I think that's when, you know, I, I pause and I sigh a little bit because I've heard some like commentary about people talking about like, this whole find your passion and do your passion work. And there's been some like pushback on that method methodology. Um, but for me, I'm always so curious and I just talked about my work being really gender focused. Well, guess who had to become really educated from a racialized perspective in the last two years. And now I'm like, I'm biracial and me saying that out loud, like I've never used that language before in my life. Like like my mom's my mom and my dad's my dad. And it's never like been a challenge for me, but I realized that maybe I have a story that I can share around that. Then I can maybe help others who potentially aren't getting um, everything that they need to succeed in their life um, based on how they look or their, um, their racial background. And so I think for me, there's so much curiosity in the space and we can also kind of look back to, to September 30th and think about everything that changed around um, Orange Shirt Day was originally the day of recognition. Now we have a day for truth and reconciliation and never in my life have I seen so many people leaning into how can I learn? How can I better understand what's happening um, from a Canadian landscape? So I think for me, like the long answer to your short question um, <laughs> is no, I don't tire. Like I am, I am the person who is like constantly looking for this um, to have a conversation about it. Cause I, I, I just, I love it. That's so great. And well, for a lot of reasons, but mostly because I think, I mean, you know, you said about your, there's this whole conversation about, you know, do your passion, do the work will just come or whatever the curiosity is just who you are. Yes. It's not really a passion. It's just like you, it's ingrained in you. And what's so great about this is because you're so driven to do it is that I think you will make real change in our world because you're, you're, you're so like engulfed in it. You're just like, love it so much. Yeah. And you know, and, and I think the synergy between what I do in my work and who I am as a person helps me as an educator too. And what I mean by that is I'm also trying to like calibrate what I do on a day-to-day -day basis for my children, because if they're not learning something different than what I learned as mm -hmm. a child, then their pathway is going to be very similar to mine. And, you know, and what I mean by that is I'm just now really leaning into Indigenous history and understanding and people actually, you know, I should correct that. Like, yes, there's history from an Indigenous perspective, but there's current day Indigenous lessons that we also mean um, to learn. And so I really want to not only teach myself, but I want to help teach my kids. And so I, I try to live that every single day. And I, you know, I want to say thank you to you about, you know, just commenting on my brand because I actually hear that from, you know, I do hear that from a lot of people and I go, whoa, like that's really cool because I know that you could hire people to help you build your personal brand and all these things. I'm like, I haven't done any of that. I'm just me. You don't so, need to. Yeah. It's so, it's just so in everything you do, like you, you can tell you eat, breathe and sleep it. So let's, let's backtrack a little bit and talk about some of the barriers since you're a, now a new title, female entrepreneur. Let's talk about some of those barriers that you think women are coming up against. 
I think there's probably a lot. And I think I will say confidence is the first one that I bumped up against. That's internal. That's not what I was expecting you to say. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking nobody's going to give me a bank loan, but yeah, that is a great one. Do you know what's so fun? So that was going to be my point too, but I just already talked about my privilege. Like I'm, I'm married and part of me is like, damn it. Like I might have to lean on my husband for part of this. Um, and I'm like so proud that I don't want to, but if I need to, I can. Yeah. And so that's sort of secondary. So I've, I've kind of navigated that. And I'm also, I'm a consultant. So what are my costs? Like a computer, you know, I had to, no, we won't get into this, but I had to buy insurance and I had to get a GST number and I had to yeah. get like a criminal records check for the, the contract that I'm working on. So there's been some like, you know, costs that are adding up WCB, um, um, coverage. Um, but, but I've been able to navigate those. And so I, but I have been thinking about this from a female entrepreneur perspective, because if you hold product or you're selling something that you have to hold inventory for, or you have to build that presence. Um, I'm worried about the number of doors that you are going to have to knock on to line that up for success because the numbers as they are poor from a corporate perspective in terms of women's representation, well, listen, it's even worse from an entrepreneur perspective, the amount of um, uh, VC funding that goes to women, like it's like 4%, like it's like ridiculously low. And so I worry about that in terms of like, if you don't have the confidence, first of all, then you can't have the access to capital, then how are you going to do anything? So then the privileged flow through that um, success because they have access to capital in other ways. And so then we're back at square one where we're like, we have an underrepresentation of women of color. And, and, and starting businesses and succeeding in businesses. Let's talk about Indigenous women. And, and if you take an Indigenous worldview on some of this too, and we're not going to probably dive into this, like, we don't need to make millions of dollars. Like, why can't we just be like happy, right? Yeah. And so make a living, yeah. Yeah. And so how are we like leaning into the one world that we live on and um, respecting, um, you know, we want to talk about it from a spirituality perspective, respecting it from like mother nature perspective, however you want to think about it. It's like, we don't need to be like, or I shouldn't say we, I shouldn't speak on behalf of others, but I don't want to hold that space. Right. Like I just Mm want to, you know, one day be able to go on vacation and and (laughs) I want to take time off. Like my goal is to have next summer off to be with my kids. And so um, we just went down like this huge like rabbit hole, um, but but I do I do think there's like a new way of thinking about things, and hopefully I can help others in that journey as well. Like I will definitely take that lens because my dollars that I earn can make a decision on whether or not I'm going to support that business or the next business, right? And so that's a lens that we can all take. I'm gonna I'm gonna support the female entrepreneur, you know, and I think it's like. That. I've been having this conversation so much lately I, and, I, and so it must be on everybody's minds because you know I'm you and you're me I keep I think I've said that like so many times that, that we're all the same but with like I think the the change is coming because for so long we've we've done all these things because men and this isn't like a I hate men I hate women type thing men created this because they were in the workforce And now women are like, and then women, when they got in the workforce, I did this for years, like was just like aggro, like (laughs) aggressive psycho, you know, like, cause I'm just actually not meant to be that way and trying to fit in. And now women are like, wait a minute, this isn't, I don't think we need to do it this way. No. And we don't need to fit in. Like you just hit the nail on the head is like, I think back to my first 10 years and I kind of go, was I showing up like everybody else or my perception of how everyone else was showing up so I could be successful? Like, do I like golfing? Uh, no, but 
I definitely golfed many times to yeah. fit in. Yeah. Like, would I rather go to the spa? Like, yes, that's where I want to go. Like, I'll have a massage. Um, so there, I think this is pretty like prolific. Like, I think we are on the edge of something great. I and think we are redef, and that's why it sucks right now. And I mean this from like an energy perspective of like, we're kind of slogging through a lot of stuff because we're like changing it and we don't know what the future is going to look like. We're reinventing it. And so does that make sense? You know what I mean? We're like, we're we're trying to create this new way of being. And so we're going to have to slog through it a little bit till we get to the other side and go like, you know, easy examples. Like, do I want to work nine to five Monday to Friday? No, why I'm going to reinvent it. I'm a working parent. And so like school's out at two 30 on Thursdays. So like, I want the afternoons to be with my kids. Why can't that be? Do we need to only have two weeks of vacation? Like, no, like let's like lead, live the lives we want to live. And that's kind of the cool intersection the work that I do from a diversity, equity, and inclusion perspective is to be inclusive, is to understand what people are capable of and also understand how we can build schedules that are going to work for them as well. And I think that 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 will change slowly. I know I was saying to somebody yesterday that, you know, nobody's going to work ever again with a runny nose. You know what I mean? Like that's people used to, you'd be working in a cubicle next to somebody who was like hacking up a lung and it was like, they were expected to be there. And now there's like this whole kind of like, yeah, you know, you don't come to work if you're even feeling a little bit under the weather, you know? So I think we'll start to see that. And because people are doing so many work from home hybrids, there will be maybe hopefully more flexibility and in schedules and the way we work and the days that we work and the yeah. amount of time. I, 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 and, I, and you're right to say like, hopefully, because I'm worried about that, to be honest, because we have, you, you and I are sitting here virtually like having this conversation and two years ago, we would have like probably, you know, tried to go record this in like a studio and like all these things, right? Like there's a whole world that's been unlocked in terms of possibilities, but there's also a lot of people who are decision makers who are not comfortable with the change and there's a lack of trust. And that's also, I think, going to either steer us in one direction or going to put us back to where we were if we don't lean into like actually trusting our employees. And and to be honest, I think you're going to have so many more conversations with individuals who choose to leave uh, and choose to quit that job because they don't have that trust. It's like, I've worked from home for a year and a half and you don't trust me to continue to do that because it works better for me. Cause I don't have to commute to work and like all, all these things pay for parking downtown. Uh, and so see you later. Like yeah. I'm going to go start my own business. I'm going to go, you know, try a different career. I'm going to like do all these things that are different because why not? We've kind of like been learning a lot of lessons this last 18 Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk, let's go back to the confidence thing. Cause I yeah. kind of just skimmed over that. <laughs> so tell me about how that was for you, like having to, as a barrier, like, obviously I know even the most confident people I know struggle with this. Right. But like, how did it show up for you? Yeah. So I agree with you and I will have the, um, dialogue with anyone who challenges me to say that they are like so confident and that there's like no way that I can like knock through that exterior because I think as women especially we can we are not we we second guess ourselves we um have this perfectionist like way about us that everything has to be perfect before I move forward. And these are the things that we have to overcome. So I'm by no means like a perfectionist, but there are definitely things that stood in my way of, listen, if I'm being truthful, I think it took me um, just under a year to like initiate the conversation of maybe I want to start my own business 
from a diversity, equity, and inclusion perspective. How do I do this? What do I need to have in place? When is the right time to quit? Ha ha ha. Like there's never a right time with any of this. And so I had to go through that in my own mind for 12 months. So in the grand scheme of things, is that a really long time? No. Could I have done it faster? Probably. But me who like, yeah, I've been doing this for 10 years, like have a lot of knowledge in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space was like, Ooh, I don't know. I don't know if people are going to hire me. Like there's like, you know, maybe they want someone internal to do the work. Like, listen, I had all of that coming through loud and clear because of the unknown of the fact that I've never run a legitimate business um, before. And I'm going to have to figure a bunch of stuff out. So I can now laugh a little bit at myself about it, but you, you know, I, the text messages that I sent to people, the messages, the conversations where they would look at me, Kenneth, and be like, what is wrong with you? Like you are going to be so successful. And that's why I said, you need to have like people in your circle who are like pumping you up because they see it before you do. And that's where I say the lack of confidence comes in because everyone else saw me doing this before I could fully see it. Where does that come from? I don't know. Yeah. Because we choose to lean in. We unfortunately choose to lean into the, I'm not going to be able to do it. Someone's going to be able to do it better than me. Well, guess what? It's a really big world and you do what you want. You do what you want in this, this one life that we have. Yeah. And so I did it. I did it, but it was again, air quotes, lots of sleepless nights and second guessing myself. Yeah. If you, if you change your mind too, at any point, that's okay too. I think that's where I was talking to someone about this the other day. For me, something I've always like, I guess, kind of held is every decision I make, I have this ridiculous notion that it has to be permanent when I'm the most like transient person I know, (laughs) I don't know why I'm so fixated that like, well, if I do that, then I can't, I can't quit that down the road or whatever, you know? You, yeah. I, 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 it's so important what you just said, because I've been, I've been trying to say it a little bit. I need to lean into it a bit more is just because I started this business doesn't mean like in a couple of years, I don't go back in to work for a company that's, you know, really needs my help for a period of time or whatever the other possible thing comes my way, because I have no idea how to predict the future, but it's not permanent. And where do we get that from? I'm, I'm trying to like figure that out but we're so ingrained and in like having like everything lined up and ready to go. And we like exactly know what's happening in our lives. And like, there's so many things that are outside of our control. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there's things that are outside of our control, but like, we can also like do whatever we want. So nothing's permanent. Like if we wanted to pick up now that the world is remote, we, we could go work in like Hawaii or, you know, yeah. anywhere around the world. And I just like, we both just need, need our laptops. Exactly. Right. And, and the whole thing around permanence that comes from not me, that comes from my circle saying like, Candace, if you want to go do this, go do it. You know, like my friends are always kind of like at me about it. Cause I'm, I'm the worst for it. But um, I also think maybe some of that comes from the generation before us. Mm-hmm. like where you got a job you you stuck to that job for 30 years right because the generation above us are the boomers and so they well above me anyways um so they you know did that or if you got married it didn't matter if you were unhappy in your marriage you stayed because divorce just wasn't really a thing you know yeah and our generation has all these just like all of these options I guess I'll say and it's almost like we're not responsible enough to handle that. Not yeah. responsible enough, but or we're just not ready for that responsibility to be able to be like, well, I, don't, I can't handle all these options, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and you're right, because the, the generation before, and I, I, I kind of refer to them as the golden, the gold watch, 
<laughs> and you, you put in your time, you did your yeah. 30 years. Like I look to my, my dad who, um, worked, you know, um, I, I think it was 31 years in, in his job. And, um, that, that's sort of where we would look a little bit to our role models. Now my mom did, um, work when my brother and I were older, like once we'd finished, uh, elementary and junior high, but for my dad, yeah, it was like 31 years. And I don't know if he ever really necessarily thought, well, maybe I'll, I'll go work at a different place or try something else. Like, you know, I think he was pretty happy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe, maybe some of us like, uh, seek happiness in different ways now. And I'm yeah, kind yeah. of laughing a little bit and you're smiling here because like, <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Um, but we do have so much choice now and we've been enabled to do things differently. We think back to like the industrial revolution where all of a sudden all these people were going to work in factories and the way that we worked was different. And then we had like World War II where that was where women really started to like move into the workplace because all the men went overseas to fight in the war. And then we have the introduction of technology and the computer and like the internet and uh, now, you know, I'm holding my phone up and, you know, everyone says like the power in your phone is more than the first computer that we ever saw. And so we've now become so much smarter in how we're able to do things that we have more choice. And do we spend enough time thinking about what we want out of that choice? Or are we just on this like hamster hamster wheel that people talk about, right? Like, I'm just going to do the thing that I'm supposed to do, right? I'm going to go to university. I'm going to um, get a job. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have kids because that's what the previous generation did. And that's what we were kind of told. And like, if we look at any like Hallmark movie or whatever, like that's kind of the storyline, right? Hallmark. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like, Oh, right. That's what I need to do. And then like, how many people are happy when they fall into that equation? Like I would argue probably not everyone. And uh, why can't we do it backwards? Why can't we do it our way? Why can't we just be who we are, right? Yeah. And let that lead us down a pathway, which is kind of exciting when you think about it that way. And you kind of get rid of all these structures that have been built up. Yeah. And if you can lean into doing that, you know, like, I think that's where a lot of us get stuck. And I think also the way that our work is changing we used to work those 30 years and then retire and do whatever we wanted in retirement. Right. And now we're like, people like you technically are retired. You're not in like a company anymore. You're, you're doing something different in your quote unquote retirement. Right. So I think, yeah, it's exciting when you think about that and that we can change the way our, the way we do time really. Yeah, I love, I love that. And I think the powerful piece of what you're doing is having these conversations and it's like, you're giving people possibilities because that's the other thing, right? We talk about like, maybe our confidence isn't strong or we just don't know. By hearing stories, you go, oh, maybe, maybe I want to try that. Like, maybe I want to do that. And I think that that's so awesome because people truly can lean into it. And, and, you know, we hear numbers too, about people shifting their careers five or six times. And I'm, I'm sure that number has probably gone up, um, significantly during COVID as well. Um, yeah, do whatever you want, do what makes you happy. Right. I have a great story about this because (laughs) it just seems like a weirdly weird time to share, but it's my podcast. So I'm going to do it. Um, when I was like 25, I was working in a job um, doing AutoCAD all day. And so I went and it really like, I was not in a good chair, the whole thing. So my shoulder hurt a lot and I didn't love the work I was doing. So I went for a massage like every week and the the masseuse was like, are you stressed out at work? I'm like, kinda, you know? And I said, have you always been a massage therapist? And she was like, no, I used to be a teacher. And I was like, oh really? What happened? She's like, I was teaching grade five. It was my first year teaching and it was the first, like the first time report cards came out and parent teacher interviews. And she said, I had a mom come in and she ripped me a new one because I gave her son a D and how was he possibly going to get into college from his D in grade five? 
And she's like, so I left and I never went back. I'm like, you didn't go back the next day to work? She's like, no. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah. I go, what did you do? She said, I moved to England and became an au pair. And I was like, what? Fast forward four months, Candace is in England taking a quarter life break doing like, I was a nanny for like four months. Some people know that, some people don't. And just like took a break to see what did I miss? But anyways, the point of that, and the reason I love to share stories is because I feel like it's exactly that. I never knew that was a thing. Or I never knew you could do it in English speaking countries because I only, I didn't speak another language, right? And then when I started looking into it and having conversations with parents in England who were looking for au pairs, I was like, this is totally a thing. I, I made no money, but what, again, it wasn't about the money. It was about the experience and like having a great time. So thank you for saying that I share the possibilities because that's what I want. And because I meet all these great people like you who are doing things like your work is so specialized and like, so obviously so important, but so specialized that somebody listening might be like, I didn't even know that was a job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and the world has shifted where there are um, a lot of people who are curious in this topic that are like, how do I get into this work? Right. So I'm going to probably start to have more of those conversations. Um, But just going back to your, to your uh, massage therapist, former teacher story, like the other curious thing about that is was there an inner voice inside her going like, this isn't what you're, you're really meant to do, but you were told like you, you had the degree, right. To be the teacher. Uh, and that was just the catalyst for the change. Like maybe it was already like pent up and she'd been thinking about it, but that gave her the confidence to be like, I'm going to go try something different. And it would be so interesting within that story to see if she tells it as a failure or as a success, right? Because you, you and I sitting here go like, Oh my God, that was like such a success. Like you got to go and like lean into trying something different and like live, you know, go and experience something else. Um, but then, um, as individuals, do we tell ourselves like the negative story? Like, Oh, you couldn't do it. Like you had to leave. Yeah. Yeah. I think the way she told it, what she did feel like it was a success. She had a great, she ended up doing it for two years. She did the first year she had kids she looked after. And then the second year she moved to France and she was with like an elderly person caring for them for a year. So I think it was a cool experience. And it, like, obviously she sold me in a, in a well, yeah. minute massage. You know? <laughs> I was like, well, great, I'm in. But okay. So let me ask you this. When did you have like a you know, you're saying there's these moments that are kind of like leading up, like I shouldn't be here. I need to be somewhere different. Was there like a, I call it my laundry room moment or like a holy shit moment where you were like, I need to do this. I need to, or, or kind of triggered you. I know you said it took 12 months. So it's triggered you maybe start thinking about maybe I could have my own business. Like, was it just like you're driving and it popped in your head or was it something, something happened? No, for me, Uh, And it's interesting. I don't have these like big epiphanies. They're like little planted seeds that I explore with individuals and have conversations about. And so for me, it was many, like many conversations over a period of time that really led me to go, okay, this is possible. And, And like, as silly as it sounds, it's like, how do you start your own business? Like, Mm-hmm. How do you, do I need to be incorporated or do I need to be whatever all the other things are? I don't yeah. even remember. Cause that's so in the past now. Right. So at first I think of them as, um, as barriers. Well, I, I'm, oh, there's all this paperwork. I'm not going to do it. And then I see someone else do it. And then I'm like, Oh, okay. Tell me more. Tell me more. How can I do this? Um, and so no, my, my story isn't this big epiphany laundry room shower, jogging just kidding I don't <laughs> um but no it, it's um it was it wasn't it wasn't like that for me uh with this it was just like slow and steady burn until it's like after after labor day I'm gonna launch this thing so you just you picked it wasn't like a like when you finally decided I'm gonna leave my job it was like a, you picked a date 
And that was just like a goal you're working towards. That was the goal. And then I told myself I wanted to have one client that I had a signed contract with. So I was working really hard to get that into place too, because then the leap to me wasn't as large to say, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to start my own business and then hopefully get some work. Um, because you know, the realities of this business is you don't just have a conversation with someone. They're like, you're hired, you sign the contract and then it starts. Like there's a lot of legwork that happens to like signing that contract and getting the work going. Right. And so, um, I was trying to be, um, somewhat realistic, um, with that. If it was 10, well, 10, 15 years ago, um, when I was a lot younger, you know, maybe the idea of just like, Shellaxing mm-hmm. for a period of time would have been okay. But, you know, I do uh, have some responsibilities as an adult that um, I wanted to be able to still sort of like contribute to. So, as Labor Day is approaching, how are you feeling as it's like getting closer to the date to launch day? Truthfully, I was so freaking excited. Really? Just like, when's it the day? When is it the day? When is it the day? And I'm trying to remember. Why didn't you pull the trigger? Why didn't you, why didn't you pull the trigger? Why didn't you do it sooner then? Because I wanted to finish off like the work that I was doing. Um, and, um, there was a couple moving pieces and, and to be honest, like this is I wanted to have my website kind of like up and running. So that was taking me a little bit of time. And so there were some final tweaks that were made day of like, so September 7th. And I was like anxiously awaiting um, the person who was doing them for me. Like, yeah. here's, the, here's the updated link. And as soon as that came, uh, and this is maybe a good story. It came towards the end of the day. And so I had in my head envisioned, I'm going to launch this nine o'clock. Most of the people I know are in mountain standard time. So I wanted to be in their inbox first thing in the morning. It's going to be so exciting. And then the changes weren't done and the changes weren't done. And like, it's like, Oh, I really want to send this email. And so I have these panicked emails to my little network going, can I send an email at it 4 PM on a Tuesday? Like, should I wait till the morning? And one of them was like, maybe you should wait till the morning. And I was like, no, I'm doing it now. You know what? <laughs> we're none of this. Like I'm excited. <laughs> we're doing, we're doing this. People will read the email when they read it. Exactly. It's kind of my, you know, I was like, I'm not, I'm not sitting on this anymore, but yeah, I was so excited. Cause I was like, yeah, I, I, I do. I do believe this is what I meant to do. So let's talk about what you do a little bit. When you're working within organizations, a couple, I think, so I guess one of my big questions is what do you do as a, you know, like, like you said, diversity and inclusion is like a huge topic and a lot of people think they have a handle on it. So what do you do in like the, if you were to work with an organization and what do you think, it's a two-part question. Like I never, I never have two part questions. Um, and, and what do you think is the biggest barrier that people have in their organizations or that, or maybe barriers, not the right word, but I'll use it barrier that they have within the organization that they may not even recognize. Mm. That's a good question. So in terms of what I go inside of organizations and help them do and where I sort of see my slip, my swim lane going forward as I build this practice is really, um, either the building of a diversity, equity, inclusion strategy, meaning like, what do you, what, why do you want me here? Like, why are we having this conversation? What are you trying to achieve? And really educating on that uh, and helping uh, companies have a common language that they're now going to start sharing in terms of achieving these objectives, because we've seen for many previous years that it's sort of a side of the desk project for people. It doesn't get elevated when times are busy or times are tough. And so we need to integrate this work into the overall priorities inside of an organization. So either we're starting at ground zero to build that or um, with my current client is they have a strategy, but how can I go in and start to accelerate the work that they're already doing um, and really start to lay down some very tactical things that they can do? Because at this stage, everyone's like, we, we support diversity, equity, and inclusion. 
how. So I yeah. really want to go in and help with the how. Um, and, and so there's so many different ways to do that. And I want to do it strategically because I don't want this to be an additional line item on the list of things you need to accomplish. I want to go, this is like a very classic example and I need to start thinking of some new ones, but as we think about hybrid working and offering flexibility, how are we doing that in an inclusive way? And so I can come in and say, cool, well, this is a priority because you're trying to figure out how to bring employees back into your workplace in Alberta here. And is this inclusive to women inside the organization who want to actually have a little bit more flexibility, or maybe it's working parents who want to have a little bit more flexibility, is this policy going to work for them? So I'm not coming in and saying, you need to achieve all of these targets from a hiring perspective, because that's what everybody else is doing. Like, no, this is something that you've prioritized inside your organization. How can we bring a diversity, equity, and inclusion lens to that work? And then to answer your second question in terms of what is the barrier, the biggest barrier is fear. The biggest barrier is that all of a sudden we're trying to shift the dynamics inside of organizations and let more people in. And so whether or not um, power and privilege get actually shared as that barrier. Um, there's a big fear that, oh, all of a sudden, like, we need to have more women inside the organization. We need to have more women, people of color, women of color. We have to have Indigenous people. We have to have people of color, like all of this. And all of a sudden, like, it, my job's my, my job's not going to be there. Like we have to give it to, to a diverse hire. And so I think that a lot of this gets internalized and thought about um, by individuals, but doesn't actually get expressed. And so to overcome that barrier, we have to have conversations and offer brave space to have those conversations to say, we're actually trying to achieve a better outcome. And we're trying to make the classic analogy is we're trying to make the pie bigger. We're not trying to like divvy up the pie to more people. We're just trying to make it bigger. And, and if we can really lean into by bringing different perspectives to the table and making sure that they are heard, we're actually going to come up with better solutions, more innovative solutions. We are going to make the organization better by doing that. Then I think we start to unlock the potential of overcoming those barriers. And if I can be as blunt as to say, the example is, white men are fearful of what this world is going to be. And so I'm here to be an ally and I'm here to have that conversation with you because I want a better world for my kids. Mm -hmm. I want a better world for those marginalized individuals who are work so freaking hard and have barrier after barrier after barrier put up in front of them of achieving that. And the irony in the, in the fact that they're fearful of it is that if they go away, like if white males go away, if they're like, you know, disregarded, that's not inclusive. No. And also that fear that they're feeling has been felt by how many others for the mm -hmm. past, how many years, you know, it's crazy how it's crazy the world that we live in at the moment, just like you said before, like the energy that's here. Yeah, energy that's shifting. And so like now, you know, another big significant day of recognition in November is International Men's Day. And a lot of people would be familiar with Movember, um, which also happens in November. And it's a campaign um, towards prostate cancer and also understanding of um, men's mental health um, issues. And so there's a lot of work to be done in terms of toxic masculinity and the way that men are told to show up inside of organizations. Mm -hmm. And so they have like, they need brave space to have those conversations and to be able to say like, how can I show up and be my whole self? And so, you know, some people are shocked that I'm like, yeah, International Men's Day is coming up where they're like, no, no you know, like, no, I want to be as inclusive as possible. And I want to be understanding of, I'm not trying to put men down and raise yeah. women up. I'm trying to lift everyone up. I'm trying to make this world a place equal. where we all belong. Yes, yes. and equal. Yes. Exactly. That's so great. Do you know the date of International Men's Day? 
Oh, you were going to, of course, um, quiz me on that. I think it's November uh, 27th and um, November 19th. So thank you for um, Google. Thank you, Google. Uh, November 19th. And so that's that's on my radar. And I want to open up conversations um, because, listen, uh, the easiest entry point on this is that um, suicide rates amongst men are significantly higher than women. And there has been a lot of pressure on men because they have been told to be the provider. Like that's kind of the like, um, classic, um, thing for, for men that I need to provide for my family. And so that's really been challenged during COVID. Right. And so is my masculinity taking a hit because all of a sudden, um, I'm not able to provide in the same way that I have in the past. And why should that matter? Right. But, but it does fill this yeah. like, stereotype, um, that has existed for a really, really long time. Well, that's great. Like, this is what I'm talking about, how you are just, you're, you're just you, you just are like all about, it, it's almost like, I've, I've talked with lots of people like throughout my, you know, I'm, cause I'm always asking, I'm like, I always say I'm like a three-year-old on speed. I ask a lot of questions like to anybody I meet and a lot of people like kind of feed you some lines, you know, and you really don't, you're really very much like this is who you are as a person. So I think it's great. And I've just loved talking to you. Thank you. But before I let you go, I always ask the guests to tell me two to three things you would never quit. Okay. So I'm <laughs> going to be thoughtful in, um, in this. Okay. So I'll, I'm never going to quit my curiosity. Hmm. Um, right. And so we've kind of like shared that, like, you call it being a three-year-old on speed. I just call it curiosity. Um, I will never quit that because I lean into this like growth mindset that I always want to learn. And you and I have this conversation again, like next year or like, you know, connect in, I'm going to have new things to share, right? I'm not going to like be repeating the same material yeah. because I'm going to have learned all of this new stuff. And so to me, um, that, that curiosity. Um, the second thing that I will never quit is my community. Mm. I love bringing people together and I've been able to do it during COVID too. And sometimes it's had to been on zoom and sometimes it's like on a picnic blanket in Horlack park here in Edmonton. Um, because we can't like go for a glass of wine, like indoors. Um, but I will never quit that um, idea of bringing really amazing people together, uh, because it, it fuels my soul. Um, and you know, I will give the cliche, um, answer for my third and I will never quit my family and, and sharing my knowledge with them and learning from them as well. That's awesome. So where can people find you either to work with you or just to like, even follow your thought leadership? So there's a couple different places. I do say that I have the most active voice on LinkedIn. So if people want to look me up on LinkedIn, you can, Erin Davis. Um, my website, um, you know, it's like <laughs> continues to be a work in progress, but it's erindavisco.ca. Yeah. Um, so there's a link there if you want to send me an email. Uh, and then I do, um, from time to time, try to post on my Instagram feed, um, which is erindavis.ca co and uh, you can always reach out to me on there awesome and i'll link all of that in um in the show notes as well amazing so lastly if there is somebody listening who is like they kind of thought about starting a business but they're like the market's so saturated or i don't know i just don't really have what it takes like what what would your advice be Okay, so my ill-informed advice is that I actually don't think the market is ever saturated. And I know, like, you can argue with me, send me an email. But um, the, the, the piece on this is you're unique. Everyone's unique in the perspectives that they bring to their business, 
to whatever they're doing. So the market is not saturated with your unique ideas and what you are going to bring. So wholeheartedly, that would be my first thing. And in terms of like understanding, like maybe I shouldn't start this and it's not worth it. And I'm going to, I'm not going to succeed. No one knows if they're going to be successful. And, and you know what, you go out there and you can go find all the inspirational things where people that we look up to and admire Oprah's the one that's coming to mind. Like she wasn't really on her platform of success until I think she was in her forties maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so like, don't give up and lean into your own community to have like let them be be them the mirror to say like you're this is you're actually going to be amazing at this yeah and so I think there's a lot of really great resources out there as well that could help people succeed and so I know um the the executive director and C, I think CEO um yeah CEO of Alberta Women Entrepreneurs, like that program for anyone who uh, lives in Alberta is amazing. Like there's so many resources there to really help you succeed. Um, And, you know, for the men listening to the podcast, uh, I know that there's lots of resources out there as well. So don't think that you're in it alone. Like I do think that there's a community you can build up around you to help you succeed. And I think what I would add to that is like you talked about before, define what success is to you first. Yeah. Such a good point. And then, you know, cause to me, I mean, yeah, Oprah's life seems awesome, but do I need to have that? I mean, yeah, it'd be awesome. Yeah, like, we <laughs> don't like, need it, but it would be awesome. Like totally. I, I, I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> totally. Okay. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I so appreciate it. And I'm oh, going to be sure. following you and watching your journey and cheering you on behind the scenes. Thank you. Wait, before you go, if you liked this episode, please rate and review it wherever you listen because, well, that's just how the internet works and it helps us to get this to more people. Also, hit that subscribe or follow or whatever the button is where you tune into podcasts. Until next time, quitters. Thanks for listening.